0: What a blessing to be able to share this time with all of you. Uh, Some of you are actually joining us for the very first time. And if you are, I'm Pastor Terry. I'm the lead pastor here at Cornerstone Church in San Francisco. And I'm so happy you're with us right now. You know, the message today as we push into this new series called A Time to Choose, my message today is about making the choice to cooperate with grace. As I shared last week, when it comes to following Jesus... And accepting the invitation of the Lord, the invitation to just go his way. We're all going to find ourselves from time to time faced with what I call fork in the road moments. Moments of decision. Moments when we have to to decide, when we have to choose the way that we're going to go. That's not only something that happens when we first believe, when we first choose to receive Jesus as our Savior and follow that up by getting baptized and engaging in community, but it's something that becomes an ongoing part of our life as a follower of Jesus. I'm talking about those moments where we are driven inward and (laughs) we're forced to share um, our thoughts with God and we're forced to search our hearts and to make a decision if we're going to surrender our will to Him, to surrender to grace. I'm talking about the call of God's relentless love, uh, the invitation, the commandment He gives us to take up our cross and follow Him daily. That's the choice we get to make. So what I want to do right now is I want to turn to John 1, the first chapter of the Gospel of John, and I want to actually look at a description of Some of the first moments of Jesus's public ministry, I want to engage a passage that's really familiar to many of us, but not everybody, and uh, allow it to take us into a place of of deeper introspection. So let's just pray. Lord, I, I just ask for your blessing over your word right now. We want you to be near to us. We want you to be close to us. We want you to speak to us. You know what we need. You know, the choices we need to make, and we just want to be open as much as we can to your words and to your promptings. This is my prayer for all of us in Jesus name. So let's look at John one verse 35 it says the next day, John, that would be John the Baptist was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and he said, behold, the lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. Now, the first thing I want us to notice is that it was John who pointed these disciples to Jesus. And it got me thinking, wow, all of us have somebody or people in our lives who helped point us to Jesus. None of us arrived here on our own. Someone showed us, pointed us to Jesus. For many of us, we will know who those people are, but there's a lot of people we'll never know who actually are more connected to us at a spiritual level than we'll ever ever know. Some of us have had believing grandparents, I know I did, um, that were so influential. Like my grandfather was so influential in my faith and my following Jesus and my ultimate decision to um, accept the responsibility of leading a church community that we now know as Cornerstone. And, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be anywhere close to where I am without his contribution, without the prayers, without the guidance, and out the support. But not just him, of a lot of people, <laughs> you know, if I were making a list, I could, I could think of so many people who helped point me to Jesus. Maybe you can do that as well. If you had grandparents or parents or Siblings or family members who you know prayed for you and were instrumental in you coming to Jesus. And for others of us, it, it may have been a, a oh, it may have been a coworker, right? It may have been a coworker or someone that we met when we when we were at uh, college or in high school, or a friend that um, we grew up with, or a or a pastor or a teacher or some combination of, of a number of different people. I mean, I don't know all the people who are connected to your faith story and your faith journey. I just know that we're not self-made. None of us get to Jesus on our own. Someone else is a part of that. And even now, there might be people coming to your mind who you're thinking, wow, they've, they were such an essential, important part of helping me find Jesus. And that even in this moment where our heart has opened up to him and where we're following him is because of the influence of their life upon us. And I just think that we may underestimate the impact of others. And also we may never be aware of the choices they had to make key moments in their life where they had to choose, were they going to follow the Lord? Were they going to do things God's way? Right. We felt the impact of their lives, but their lives were shaped and formed in Christ by decisions they made. Oftentimes those decisions had a lot to do with trusting God in a hard place and surrendering to his grace. And I think that's part of what makes the body of Christ so Unique is because we are just connected because even the people who affected us, they were affected by other people, people who will never know who were affected by people who went before them. There's, in other words, there's this is intricate web of connected tissue that comprises the body of Christ. It's so delicate and so intricate that only God can see it and understand it. Maybe someday when we get to heaven, we'll have a better perspective of all the different strands that contributed to our story of faith and our life with Christ. But for now, we do see through a glass dimly and just to even be aware of a few people who helped point us to Jesus is a significant thing. And some of them, they're no longer with us, but we thank the Lord for them. And for those who are still in our lives now, we want to, we want to bless them as well, right? Be thankful. You know, I'm talking about the never known prayers for people groups that occurred, the unknown conversations, the subtle witness that (laughs) laid the seed that began to grow when We first believe the choices that were made to follow Jesus that changed uh, our world and sent blessings down the generations. Those things only God knows. But I guess what I'm trying to say is this. Our choices matter. They really do. And they have an effect on the eternal spiritual collective we call the kingdom of God. So we don't want to underestimate it, don't underestimate it. The decisions we make may sometimes seem little, but they have huge implications. Over a course of time, over a course of a lifetime, they have eternal consequence. Back to verse 38 of John one, Jesus turned, because remember John the Baptist had pointed these disciples to Jesus. Jesus turned and he saw them following, and he said to them, what are you seeking? At first glance, it is, Jesus asking them, you know, what do you want? <laughs> right? They're following him. He says, what do you want? And that's, in fact, that's exactly how the NLT uh, version renders it. What do you want? It's, it's, it's the first recorded question of Jesus's ministry, and it's more, I suspect, than what it even seems. You know, what are you truly searching for? What are you truly searching for? That is a question he asks of all humanity question he asks of us. What are you looking for? What are you really searching for? What do you want? It's the supreme question, isn't it? At the core, this question plunges us inward. It invites us to connect the dots of what really matters in our life. We live in a culture and a time that offers us gratification, apart from meaning and it, it, what it does is it just leaves us empty and anxious it does it, it uh, in worst case it, it leaves us addicted and unfulfilled and I, I just but Jesus he offers a satisfaction with meaning so I, just, I think I want to just say that one more time our culture offers us gratification without meaning but Jesus offers us satisfaction with meaning there's a huge difference, right? And, but anyway, I don't think, I don't think the di- disciples or the ones who had started to follow Jesus uh, were processing that question at that level. I mean, their first reason for pursuing Jesus and following him was because someone they trusted, there it is again, someone they trusted had declared that that was the Messiah, someone they trusted, pointed them to Jesus. And because of that, they decided to follow him. John had declared him to be the lamb of God that had messianic implications. And so, you know, if they held John in high esteem, and if John said it, then they believed it. So, Practically speaking, the question was essentially by Jesus to them. Why are you following me? Do you really understand what John meant? Do you know who I am? What I have come to do? They (laughs) look at their response, right? And Jesus' question plunges deep. Their answer is on the surface. And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? I think when Jesus asked the question the way that he did, they kind of looked at each other and they said, well, We really, well, I mean, we don't know. I mean, we'd love to talk about that. If you're okay, we'd like to spend some time with you and explore that a bit. (laughs) And Jesus said to them, verse 39, and he said to them, come and you will see. And by the way, that's an invitation he makes to all of us, come and you will see. Remember, we must choose to accept the Lord's invitation though. This is really important. The Lord won't, won't force us, uh, we must choose. He won't force us. That's by the way, true for salvation. And that's true for formation. That's true for accepting Jesus. The Lord's not going to make us do it. Love doesn't force its way. Love opens up that opportunity, but we must choose to love. Love forced isn't really love at all. It, it's just compliance. Uh, it, it has to be a choice we make, something we give out of our own volition. But that's but it's also true for our formation. God's not going to force us to grow. That's what I'm saying right now. He's not going to force us to be a committed follower. He's not going to force us to become a mature believer who's acquainting themselves with his word and staying close to his presence and working through um, sin and struggle and contradictions and stuff of our paths. God's not going to force us to live in community. He's going to invite us into that because that's where we're going to be formed as his disciple. But it's a choice we get to make. We we get to decide how deep our roots are going to go. That's what I'm saying. We get to decide if we're gonna be a surface level follower of Jesus or if we're really gonna commit ourselves to him. And it says that they, they came to where he was staying. Look at it. And it says that they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. We would say it was 4 p.m. That's what we're told. That's the 10th hour. So they actually took Jesus's invitation uh, and they accepted it and they talked with him for a long time Several hours elapsed in this unrecorded interview and exchange. (laughs) But the conclusion was clear. I mean, for Andrew, he, who we'll find out one of those disciples was Andrew, he left convinced that Jesus was the Messiah. For him, there was no question. After that interaction with Jesus, there was no question in Andrew's mind that Jesus was the Messiah, that John the Baptist had pointed them to the one. And he was gonna change everything. Now he didn't know what that all meant, but he believed. And he did what a lot of times we do when we're on fire with the things of God, he felt compelled to share with the people he loved. And he knew that his brother, you're gonna know, you know Andrew's brother was Peter. He knew Simon Peter, right? He knew that his brother also was seeking and cared deeply about uh, the teachings and the promise of Messiah. And so we're told in verse 40 that one of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And he first found his own brother Simon. So the first person he went to was Simon, his brother. And he said these words We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Now, how that conversation went, we can only imagine, but ah. Oh, I mean, perhaps Peter said, yeah, I bet you have. No, I mean it. We talked to him. John even said it. You've got to come meet him. Verse 42, he brought him to Jesus. I think Simon went there with some degree of expectation, but if we know anything about him, he probably went in guarded, careful, and no one's going to deceive him. We'll see. I'll make my mind up if he's really Messiah. (laughs) I get that. And so he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and And so this is the first, look at this first exchange, because the first exchange is significant, right? That first moment of interaction between Jesus and Simon Peter. Before Peter can even say a word, Jesus says to him, you are Simon, son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Up until that point, that wasn't his name. (laughs) But that's the name Jesus gave him. So the first thing we're told that Jesus did was look at him. Look at that. Jesus looked at him. And by the way, that's the same word in the Greek that is used when Jesus looks at Peter in the judgment hall after Peter's denial, which would have been the low point in his life. But the word is the same word looked. And that word indicates the look of penetration and intensity. It's its not a, a casual glance. It's its not something that's just courteous or somewhat attentive, like, oh, you know, there you are. Who, you know, I stood. It, no, it's the look of knowledge and deep, oh, that's, that's like a deep familiarity. I, I tried to, am- imagine that look in my mind's eye, right? When Jesus looked into you, because he did not just look at him, he looked into him, right? That reminded me of the worship song, you know? He's looking into my heart. You're looking into my heart, what do you see? The heart of worship. Jesus says, I know you. I know you. You are Simon, the son of John. We would say, you're Simon Johnson. (laughs) Your name is no longer that. It is, but it isn't. I'm calling you Cephas, which in the Aramaic hmm, means stone. But in the Greek, it's Petros. There it is, Peter. I'm giving you a new name. Your name is now Peter. You know, it's been said that the most remarkable thing about that moment, in light of the kind of man that that Peter was, was that he was silent. (laughs) Seemingly stunned by the greeting. Because Jesus did two things, right? One, he changed his name. That'd be like a parent naming a newborn. Gave him a new name. I'm giving you a new name. And then he did something, but it it was more than that. He called him the name. He called him something he knew he was not. All that that name implied. You're a rock. A person of true stability and reliability that can be built upon. (laughs) And I think Peter thought, just... Must have caught him so off guard. A rock. Peter. Tommy Peter. Cephas. Stone. Peter. A rock. God. I may. He didn't say it. But I think he thought it. I may be many things. But Rabbi. That I am not. I have my weaknesses. Messiah. or. Whoever you are, I, and I have not decided yet, but I am not the kind of man you can build on. No, I, not, not, not like that. I, I have my flaws. And I hear Jesus say, and I'm aware of that, it may not be who you are, but it is who you shall be. I think from that moment on he had him now Peter still had to choose to submit to that word just as we do. listen to me there there are things the Lord would say to us about what we can become with his help that we must still choose to receive and believe and then you know in our own way act upon some of us. Like we, we, that we begin to live out of the conviction that this is what we can become. Now, some of us have a hard time believing we can prevail and overcome some of our. I'm going to use this word in a, in a more generic way. Our our demons, our our struggles are <sighs> some some of them are really hard. They're like thorns to us. I mean, they just beat us to a pulp sometimes. And. These areas sometimes connected to wounds of our past, self-inflicted things that we've allowed ourselves to engage in, thinking patterns that we've given place to far too long. That a lot of those things, we feel like, well, Lord, I, I mean, they, they, they. I mean, I'm, I'm gonna get to heaven and I'm gonna follow you, but I, I'm, I can't become that for other people. I mean, you know, in Peter's case, I can't become a rock. I just want to. I just want to follow you, but I I can't become that kind of a person. Yeah. and you know, later on, I mean, and you're going to watch throughout the Gospels, God, you know, the Lord is just going to keep working on Peter, even through his failure. In fact, I think that failure becomes both the lowest point and then the the elevator point in his life to bringing him to his his real place of breakthrough that occurs on the day of Pentecost. But it's out of the humility of that brokenness that I think Peter becomes a new man. But that's a whole nother story. But I, I look at that and I think about Jesus and how he looked at Simon. And I think about how the Lord looks at us. Now he gives us in a way a word for our lives and maybe for a season of our lives. But is that not his method to look into us? Maybe he's looking into you right now. And to bring things to life that we did not think were possible, right? That's what he does. To say that if we will choose to yield and follow him, that this is what we can become by growth and grace. That you are a beloved daughter in Christ Jesus who can become all that he died and rose for you to be and all that he speaks over you, the goodness and the love of God, the grace of God, that you, uh, oh man of God, you become the one that the Lord has created you to be, even in spite of flaws or, or those past things that would hinder, right? Those sins and weights that does so easily be set. We spoke about in last week's message, you know, I, I think God sees what we can become, that's what I'm saying. Just like he did with Peter, just as Michelangelo saw in those blocks of marble forms, which his genius would call into being, so the Lord sees in us qualities of strength and beauty that he seeks to elicit, right, pull out. In the end though, you and I, we must make the choice, loved ones you and I, we must make the choice to cooperate with grace. I must make that choice to cooperate with grace, a grace that is stronger than what I lack. The Lord will always call us beyond where we think we can go without him, right? Like, or if I would put it another way, The Lord always is going to challenge us to believe him for the incredible things that he wants to do in us. And sometimes those things may seem small and unnoticed by others, but we know that's a miracle. Other times it's just something that's known and obvious and we just lift up our hands and say, God, you have done this. But we will often be asked to believe To choose to believe, as Simon was being asked to do in that moment, that we can become more than we think possible with his his strength, his help, his love at work in our lives. You know, Simon's journey (laughs) to becoming Peter would take time. It didn't happen all at once. It would be filled. I think this is really helpful for you and me. It would be filled with ups, it would be filled with downs. I mean, just looking in the three years that Jesus worked with him, and then from the glimpses we have throughout the rest of the New Testament, you can see that he was a man in process. That there were times of incredible failure and self-disappointment, but there were also moments of profound, uh, you know, expressions of of faith and and moments of of great i would say positive conquering uh you know stepping up moments in the life of peter and so you combine all that and you realize wow we're we're all in, there's going to be times we're going to do really well and we're going to step into places i think that well, we would go, wow, the Lord, you've really helped me here. And there are going to be other times where probably we we may fall back into struggle and it may not be so easy and we might feel a little bit beaten down by that or maybe significantly defeated by that. But through it all, if we will choose to follow Jesus and submit to the promise of his word, we will be blessed with not only uh, a, a testimony of grace, but... But we will we will be blessed in the same way that we are blessed by Peter, because he not only ends up becoming an example for us, but he also is a testimony, right? The choices he made, think about this way: the choices Peter made had a direct impact on us. And in the same way, the choices that we make, the good ones, right, they're gonna have a direct impact on others as well. Do you see how it's all tied together? So I just ask that the Lord would just continue to work in our lives and that we would keep surrendering to His grace. I mean, that's the, that's the invitation we've been given. He's called words over our lives. I hope we see that. I hope we see the potential to do good for God in this season of our life that we're now in, that, that the Lord has for us. And that we don't give up and quit and allow ourselves to be defined by uh, our sense of inadequacy but let's seek to live by grace into the word that the Lord calls over our lives. Come on, it's gonna help other people and it's gonna make a huge difference, much more than we ever can realize. Some things, some choices that we're making right now to honor the Lord with or just accept His grace with are going to end up affecting people generationally that we will never know There'll be people who will be affected by choices we make to follow Jesus that may not even be directly related to our own, you know, descendants, but they'll be connected. don't, uh, Don't forget the effect, the positive effect of surrendering to grace. That's what I'm saying. And the difference that it can make, differences we may never ever really ever see or comprehend but in the same way that we were affected by other people's prayers and choices, whom some of whom we never know, so it will be with us because we're all part of the connected body of Jesus. That's right. I'm going to come back around and I just pray, Lord, you bless this song as we share it together in Jesus name. And then I'm going to close this out. So here we go.
1: I could just sit, I could just sit and wait for all your goodness, hope to feel your presence. And I could just stay, I could just stay right where I am and hope to feel you, hope to feel something again. I could hold on to who I am and never let you change me from the inside. I could be safe. Oh, I could be safe here in your arms and never leave. Never let these walls. Yours, so I will be yours for all my life.
0: The choice we make, loved ones, to cooperate with grace. You know, the Lord doesn't ask us to do this on our own. It's not like he says, go do that. Go honor me. Go become that person I said you're supposed to become. No, he doesn't. Yes, it's true. We have to make decisions. Yes, it's true. There are choices that we have to make to step into these things that God's trying to do and work and establish in our lives. But in the end, it's still about the Lord at work in us. It's still about the Lord helping us. There are gonna be times where He's gonna lift us up. There are gonna be times where we're gonna need His help. There are gonna be times we're gonna need His forgiveness and His love. And that's okay, because He's called us by name. He's called you by name. Now, for those of us who have accepted his name over our lives. Let's live as his beloved sons and daughters. Let's commit ourselves to being formed as his disciples. And and if you've never, ever really actually said, Lord, I wanna not only accept you as my savior, but I wanna follow you as my Lord, then I wanna encourage you to do that. If you've never been baptized, I want you to let us know, because we wanna help you follow Jesus better. That's what we exist for as a church. So keep that in mind, but my prayer for all of you And myself, too, is that we would stay in love with the Lord, that we would choose to follow Him, and that we would surrender always to His grace. Yeah, Lord, let that be so. In Jesus' name.